1: there are going to be times in your life that will define you and season you as an elk hunter. For me, that was about my fourth year of elk hunting with a hunt I like to call Revelations. I had taken elk in the years prior, but when it comes to my current hunting style, who I am now as an elk hunter, this right here is the hunt that started it all. During this hunt, there are going to be multiple learning moments and takeaways. Hopefully, some nuggets that I hope help you on your next outcome. So come on into camp, sit down by the fire, and welcome to the very first edition of The Moment. He piled up. He was about to smell No, don't, don't move. What a beautiful bull. Yeah, buddy. No shot. No. As an elk hunter, your success is not a matter of chance, it is a matter of choice. After successfully hunting elk for almost 40 years, I know that with every hunt, every one of us will get schooled by the very animals we chase. One blown encounter after another. But these are not failures, only learning moments. The goal of this show is to share my past hunts or an experience within a hunt and point out a lesson learned, that one nugget or realization that can help you to grow as an elk hunter. My name is Joe Julia. I'm an elk hunting coach, and this is The Moment. I'm about 24 years old at the time and very young in my elk hunting career. In fact, when I first started elk hunting, I didn't have the skill set. I mean, you got to think about this. I think it's, uh, gosh, at that time, it's the early 80s. And as far as the elk calls that were available, it was very, very young in that process. In fact, at the time that I did start, like I said, I, I didn't even know how to call elk. I was basically using the skill set, the hunter skill set that I had developed as a young guy hunting back in the south. I knew how to use my eyes, you know, knew how to find where food sources were, understood the whole watering process, and I was really good at smelling out elk. That was basically my first technique, but by this time, I had actually changed. My skill set had grown a little bit in that I knew how to do basic calls for elk. I knew how to do cow calls. I knew how to do uh, bugles. But they were very, very basic this time. My language basically had not developed yet. I was still real young in my linguistics, basically. In fact, the call that I was using at this time, I believe, was actually a Quaker Boy turkey call. So that's pretty much where I started now this area that we're hunting was an area that I had never been to before and if you've heard our podcast you know that my lifelong hunting partner has been Leroy Chav Chavis I call him Chav everybody in the family does so Chav and I had a friend named Billy Martinez that had told us about this area and Billy said well he would take us in and so he did and on our first day in this area, if I could describe it to you, that area was is like, it's really high Mesa country that has a whole mix of scrub oak, has pine. You can go up into upper elevations. You know, from one elevation, I'd say it's about 6,500 to about 7,000 feet. And then you could go all the way up to about 10,000 feet. Well, the area that we were hunting was kind of and in New Mexico we have a lot of volcanic developed type areas that will be um, older type volcanoes and flow out to where they edge out to mesas on the edge you'll see this all over New Mexico well in this area it was on it was very long sloping on one part of it that had a whole lot of Um, large parks or grass areas or uh, vistas or how whatever name you want to get it, it was a lot of grass but it was it was not easy walking through it it was very clumpy high type grass a lot of rock in between there and from thousands of years of erosion there were rolls from one area there was a lot of small drainages that would come out from the top and work out towards the bottom. And within those drainages, those were the areas that, that got cut into that would have a lot of trees, even possible aspens in some areas on the sides. And what I found in our very first day, we got there in the morning, we set up, uh, basically we just kind of parked and parked our trucks. And we are basically camping out of trucks with small tents. And we had stopped, got there in the afternoon, and and first thing we wanted to do was grab our equipment, grab our bows and get out there and, and get an idea of what we were dealing with, get boots on the ground. And you got to remember, this is the time of topo maps. There was no GPSs. There were no uh, X or base map or anything like that. So for us, we had looked at all the topos, and I had really studied those. And now I'm just trying to figure out Where in the heck, what is it that we're dealing with? So Chav and Billy and myself, we take off for the afternoon and we start hitting some of these areas with these drainages that are working down. And we're kind of crossing over from one to the other. And as fortune may have it, as I dropped into one of these drainages, and I I want you to understand, this isn't... Like a lot of times people hear drainage, they think like half mile down. And the way they cut into this mesa, it wasn't anything like that. Uh, From the top, you couldn't see anything in them. But they were probably, I'd say about 200 yards wide at the most. And they would probably go down about 100 yards and, and bottom out and have either the remnants of old water running through it or might even have a little bit of a creek inside of them so that's what provided for there to be the vegetation that was down inside there whether it was grass and good grass or whether it was the trees on the side it was really perfect locations for elk to either feed in there or to bed down in there or to travel through from one location to another without even being seen so as we're crossing through these we actually bump small groups of elk that were bedded down in these drainages before they got up or they might have even been feeding down in there so right off the bat we had an idea that there were elk in this area we had seen them we had blown it you know as far as uh them seeing us before we saw them But it gave us something to work with before the next day's hunt, the hunt that was really going to be our hunt day. That evening, we decided to camp out on the other side of a deeper drainage from this area, one that really dropped off, and I'd say it was probably... Uh, from the sides I'd probably say it was about 400 feet deep and it was probably a good 400 yards wide so you could imagine that there was a lot more vegetation down in there there was a lot more and there was rocks dropping down from the side a lot of trees a lot of thick oak brush uh, a lot of cover inside that drainage and we decided to drop to drive and get on the other side and camp in an area so that if our scent did start to drop it would actually drop into this drainage and take it down. Our goal was to camp on the other side from the area we had found the elk and be able to then cross down into the drainage, come up on the other side, and be able to get into the elk without our camp having disturbed them. That night, we had a full moon, and that full moon was going to be up uh, late in the in the morning so it hadn't set yet by the time the sun was going to come up so the plan was that we were all going to split up we were basically going to scout hunt and i decided that i would take the the area through the drainage and come up on the other side so with the full moon out and something that i like to do is especially with the help of the moon is i was up and already hunting by three o'clock in the morning I had dropped off into the drainage and gone through. And just as I topped out on the other side, I got up to where I could see basically, the as bright as it was, I could see very well at this point in time. But in front of me, I had, gosh, miles of rolling uh I don't want to say mesa because it was what I described to you before. It was kind of that flat area that dropped off into all of these smaller drainages that would all feed down from my right to my left. I basically was hitting and crossing these closer towards the middle of them so that I could have any activity from one to the other. At this time, though, with the thermals kind of falling in the coolness, most likely the thermals were going to be dropping from the top and going down. So I wanted to be at a point where I thought was a little bit lower than I had seen the elk, but yet give me the opportunity that if I heard something down below in the drainage or across one of these small drainage, I could then drop down and be able to get on them. So here I am full moon imagine this man it's just full moon everything's in that glow of blue and i had just come up on top of this drainage and as i'm standing there i just stopped and all i want to do is just let everything calm down for a second from where i had climbed up to get up on the edge and it wasn't it wasn't one minute later that i heard the one sound we all live for this bugle sounds off in front of me probably 400 to 600 yards away so with that happening it's oh man we're still hours away from daylight so all I wanted to do was I wanted to take the situation and just cut it down some so that I was able to get as close as possible but not engage the animals just know where they were so I could be on them at daylight so I start taking off now, as I start to do this, the thermals are doing exactly what I thought. They are falling from my right going down to my left, and the elk are directly in front of me. Basically, no wind to speak of it this time, so it's all pretty much thermal based. Now, understand the difference between thermals and wind. Thermals are going to either fall or they're going to rise in the mountain areas. Wind can actually push thermals but wind is in itself something that you have to deal with we have no wind at this time thermals going from my right to my left so i start moving and i'm hearing now as i start getting closer i'm starting to hear multiple cow calls and i'm hearing a incredibly deep raspy bugle <laughs> I mean it's one of those bugles that you just feel it man. You just when you hear that, it's like, yeah, buddy, this booger's gonna be big, man. So I'm like pumped. And and you gotta remember, this was early in my career, man, so I'm getting as excited as heck. And I start moving closer and closer. I'm taking my time, just listening, trying to identify all the areas, and as I'm getting closer. I can tell that this is not a small group of elk this is a huge herd going on there's multiple cow calls and not just directly in front of me now I'm hearing some of those cow calls a little bit lower down towards my left I'm hearing the bull directly in front of me but he's still a distance off and the cow calls are happening between me and the bull so as I'm working in I get to the point where I figure I'm about 200 yards and I gotta be really really careful because I'm at a point where in this open area if I don't use the brush appropriately and now there's stands of scrub oak and these stands of scrub oak are uh, they're probably about um, 20 feet high, 15 20 feet high, and they could be anywhere from 20 yards to 30 yards wide. So they They were like these mini screens between me and the animals. And the more I went forward, there would be grass, and then there would be scrub oak, there would be drop-offs and dips, and then there would be more multiple areas of these islands of scrub oak that I could work through and use them as a screen. So I just wanted to make sure that before I went from one area to the other that these cow calls that I'm hearing, that these cows couldn't spot me in the moonlight. Fast forward, it is just getting daylight i mean we're past gray light it's getting daylight i'm about 200 yards off from the herd multiple cow calls happening raspy bull bugling and now there's multiple bulls bugling in different areas on different parts a a little bit further in front some a little bit lower it is just it's one of those mornings it's one of those things that happen that it's in your memory forever and let me tell you, it's burned into mine. I mean, you think about it. I'm 24 at the time. I'm 59 now. And it's still burnt into my head like it was yesterday. So it's at daylight. And now there's more and more scrub oak where the elk are. And and that's because the elk are not only feeding on the grass, but as I'm going through, I'm seeing acorns on all of the scrub oak from smaller little three-foot to two-foot scrub oak to the the large scrub oak um, areas that I've told you about, these little islands, these tufts of scrub oak that are out there, and all of them have acorns. So the elk are moving through these scrub oak, and they're eating grass, and they're eating on the acorns, and they're in no hurry. It's right at daylight, and they're just kind of moseying away from me. So, as I start to go up, this bull is just screaming, and he is what's on my mind. I'm really trying to close the distance on this bull. And I'm moving through the scrub oak, and as I move one time, I take a step and I hear, and I look off to my left, and there's a cow elk that has caught my movement and has started to jump a little bit. And the first thing I did, man, is I started throwing out cow calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm just I'm just stopping and I'm throwing out these cow calls, and unbelievably, the cow relaxes. She kind of looks my way over my direction, but I don't think I think with all of the bodies, I don't know if she really boogered for me. If there was something behind her, but with all of the elk that were around, and as I'm moving forward, I am basically moving into this herd uh, in a in a way that I'm screened just think about it it's getting so thick that and give you the vision that there's probably shooting lanes of about 30 yards now Uh, some areas as i come through there might be 40 or 50 yards but there's all of this scrub oak around me large groups of scrub oak, small groups of scrub oak, and then grass pathways, These this high grass vistas type grass that's going in between here. So as I'm moving forward, this, this one cow starts to booger over on the side, and I stop and I cow call. Well, there are cow calls going on around me as well, and it's almost like I just went right in with the herd hardly any breeze at all. And what breeze there is is currently in my face. It's flat now, so as far as thermals go, I didn't really have to deal with that. If there was going to develop as it warms up, then thermals as it heated everything up was basically going to go up. It wasn't anything that was going to go into any direction unless pushed by the breeze. So all good right now wind-wise. So as I'm moving forward, this bull is screaming on the other side. I mean, just just this real deep, raspy voice. So I'm just trying to get the distance, and they're moving, and they're moving, and they're moving. This goes on. In fact, there was a point where there was a little bit of a drop-off, and I start coming around trying to cut the distance to get to this bull, and I get a spike in a small raghorn down below me about 60 yards. And, you know, (laughs) it was really tough, man, because I had multiple cows around me that I could have taken shots at. And then I see this spike and I see this little raghorn. And, you know, part of me was like, hmm, you know, I, I could be taking elk home by this afternoon. Easy, man. But, boy, let me tell you, man, that bull, the way he was screaming multiple time, multiple time, time after time, moving and with this herd all around me, it just it just took me over. That was the bull that I wanted. I had to see him. I just had to. I had to be able to get up on him and see him. So it just kept going, man. We're moving, and and when I mean by we, it's me and the rest of the herd and this bull. But he was always on the other side of the cows. And trying to get through with all of these eyes was just, it it just seemed nearly impossible. So I just had to stay patient and figure that at some point in time, he was going to make a mistake. Well, little did I know at that time, but he had a lot of cows behind him, but he had cows in front of him that he was following as well. And multiple bulls around. But it just seemed like... Everything was fine with the situation. There was no reason to rush. There was no reason to try to force anything. So I just kept moving forward, hoping the bull would make a mistake. Well... (laughs) There was a point where we got to an area... And again, you can picture... What I'm talking about with the scrub oak. And... As I'm moving through, now all of a sudden we're starting to move into the area that is starting to develop some high pines as well. And the drainages that were once running down towards my left, we start to hit some that are now dropping off and going directly out in front of me. That are cutting down into the area and splitting Upper Vegas from one from the other, and the elk had taken a path over to the left side of this one drainage, almost going out onto this level finger that was now going up gradually to a peak that I could see about a mile off. Now, remember, I started with this group, it was about three in the morning until daylight. And daylight at that time was probably, I want to say, right around 6-ish, between 5.30 and 6.00. Hard to remember exactly right now. And by this time that I see this up about a mile off and still with the animals in front of me, it's already been two hours later. And it's now right about 8.30. So as I see the herd, I'm starting to see animals because the elevation is getting higher. So I'm looking out and I can see cows, I can see some smaller bulls, but I have yet to see this guy that is screaming. So I I just stay patient. And then as I'm going and moving and going and moving, cow calling, settling down, uh, probably there were about three different times that I felt like I had to settle animals down around me. And there was one time I had an elk come in from behind me that caught my scent And then went off, took off running in the opposite direction. And when that happened, I thought, man, the jig is up. So I kind of started cow calling. I let out a bugle. And as soon as I let out a bugle, the bull in front of me, the big bull, he bugles. But now he's starting to move off as he's bugling. So I'm not sure that all of a sudden him hearing this bull behind him being as close as I was didn't actually take the situation and either get him to start bumping some cows in the rear end but they were definitely moving off so now I had to change a little bit and as they start to move I see this hill up in front and I look on my map, I pull up my topo and I try to think, and and I told you they were up on the side of this one drainage. And I saw that if I dropped down into the drainage, I could circle out and come out ahead of them towards this rise. So now I drop off into the drainage, I don't have to worry about it. It's a little cooler down in the drainage, so my thermals are going to stay down inside there, and now I'm moving ahead, and I'm really trying to make up ground. I'm trying to get so that I am no longer behind the herd, but trying to get up on the side of the herd and get up in front to where I could actually get to where the bull is. I'm now at a point where I think, you know, I should be, and I hear the bull bugle up on top. And, but it's really, really hard for me to tell the direction. So now I have to find a way to get out of this drainage. And it's really, really steep. So I'm looking for a place to be able to get out of the drainage. And what I find is, and the best way to get from one location to the other, is find where the elk are traveling. Find their path. So I get and I move up onto the path. And I start getting up. And just as I start to top out, I'm figuring I've got to be on the side of them. So I start moving through. And now there's low jack pines mixed in with the scrub oak, these taller scrub oak, and plenty of grass still in between. And I'm moving. I'm trying to catch the sounds of the cows, trying to hear the bull bugle. It's getting later now. It's about 10.30 by the time I top out. It's about two hours later. And when I get up on top, I'm thinking that they've got to be right here, got to be right here. And all of a sudden, I hear some cow calls to my right. And as I look up towards that rise, it was like a knob that's in front of me. I'm seeing the elk going up on the knob. And I'm thinking, man, so this this drainage that I was just in circles right around that. So right away, I drop down in back into the drainage and I keep going on around and as I go I'm trying to number one I, I don't want to sweat too much I'm, I'm really worried about my scent uh, the, the wind is staying pat and I'm trying to think about looking at the map is there a way that I could get in and get around and maybe be right where they're going to come out looking at where they're possibly going so I go on out and then I find the spot in on the map that I want to top out, so I come back up and again it 's trying to find a trail that 's coming out, so I find this little drainage is coming out that goes up and it has a trail coming out into it, heading right up to the knob that I think these guys are on, so I head up it and I get out and I top out and i 'm as i 'm coming now one thing I always like to do, especially when i 'm getting ready to show my body is. I want to get as low as possible, move forward, and slowly raise my body up and try to just barely get my head over so I can see. And Because as you're coming out on the top, your exposure is going to change at different levels. I just don't want to pop up there so that an animal sees that. So as I look and I don't see anything, I drop down again, move forward, and I repeat that process trying to look around. got it man right in front of me is where I last see the herd and I'm thinking these guys have got to be up here someplace so I start working through and I'm going up on the side of the knob that's starting to turn grassy and really be exposed up towards the top and I should be able to see things in front of me or down or, to- or towards the side and as I get up on the knob The elk, where they had been coming from, had been originally moving from my left as I'm moving up on the knob. I'm thinking they're in front of me or they're further up on the knob towards my right. And as I'm moving up higher in elevation, I happen to look back towards my left and I'm seeing the elk basically at a little bit, uh, this group that I saw was at a little bit of a jog going away from me now back to the area that I had just come from oh man let me just tell you at that point at that point after being with this herd since 3 in the morning after all of the cat and mouse after making this maneuver that maneuver calming down this elk and never having seen that herd bull I I don't know something just came over me I got really really frustrated and I was like man (laughs) and I did something I don't know why I did it but I decided to be a bull in a china closet. So I get my bow, I tuck it under, I put a diaphragm on my mouth, I grab a stick, and I just start running straight at the elk. You know, now they are a good 400 yards off at the time when I start doing this, and I'm just going through the scrub oak, and after I drop into it, they're no longer able to see me, and I'm just screaming bugles, and I'm hitting stuff with the branch as I go through, man, just like a herd that's running down the hill. Look, it was a desperate move. I have no idea where it came from, why I did it, but this was what came out of the situation. So I run down and as I'm getting close to where they're at, the scrub oak starts to open up into a little park down in there. And the park had multiple pine trees. Now we're talking big pine trees now, not jack pines. It had a lot of jack pines but it had multiple pine trees and large ones inside of it. Very, very grassy. And as I stop, I just stop on the edge, still within this oak brush where I could see into this park to where I'm not exposed. And here I just come running down and made all of this racket. And as I look out there, I'm looking through the scrub oak, and I can see two spikes bedded about 250 yards out and I'm hearing the cows a little bit towards my left a little bit on the other side of those spikes and I'm hearing some towards my right so I know that the herd's there what I did did not blow them out and I don't know what the effect was on that but uh it got me close and it got me there so that part of the mission was accomplished so I'm now I'm kind of like that dog chasing the car I'm in a situation you know I've gotten to where the car is and it's like well what do you do now so this is at this point where I decided I've been listening to all these bulls I've been listening to all these cows I hadn't been able to get that bull to turn and it was like they were having this huge party and I could never get them to stop so I reached in my pack and I pulled out three different diaphragms and I laid them on my leg and what I had decided to do was look if they were going to have their party maybe if I started sounding like because of this noise I made coming all the way down the hill maybe if I just started sounding like a small herd myself maybe I could pull that bull maybe I could and at this point you know not knowing where that bull was because I haven't heard him now. I'm kind of in the situation where now I'm like, well, if I can get one of those raghorns to come in, he's mine, right? So what I do is I lay those diaphragms out of my leg and I start calling in different directions, using my grunt tube to sound like bulls in different directions. And... I would make one sound small, I would make one sound a little bit bigger, and then I sounded like a big raspy bowl off to one side. And I kept the cadence so that they at first were just replying to each other. And then what I tried to do was I tried to make it sound like that they were responding a little bit sooner. And a little bit sooner. And then try to make it a little bit louder. And like they were coming a little bit closer to each other. I was trying to create a scenario or... Paint a picture in the minds of those elk that were out there that, hey, there's a herd over here, and there's three bulls that are getting ready to scrap, and I had no idea what effect it was going to have, but the effect it did have, y'all, it changed my elk hunting life forever. So here I am doing this scenario. I'm creating this party. I'm drawing and painting this picture, and all of a sudden i'm looking out and these spikes that had been looking my way and i'm broke up i'm about i'm about five yards inside the scrub oak but it's if you've ever been this is it's not the scrub oak that's really really thick it was kind of had a lot of gaps in between it have two three foot gaps in between it and I was actually on a game trail that kind of went out and opened up so I have scrub oak behind me I've got it on each side of me and I'm really well broke up so when these spikes at 250 yards look my way they're not seeing anything and there's a lot of pine trees out there as well In fact i have a pine tree there's probably about four or five pine trees big i'm we're talking big around pine trees that are in front of me not 20 yards and then there's more of them in this park as you go so these spikes are kind of looking my way as i'm putting on this show and all of a sudden i see them snap their head and as i'm looking out I had told you, they're directly out in front of me, those spikes, about 250 yards. And then I had been hearing some cows a little bit behind them, some off to my right, some off to my left. Well, all of a sudden, these two spikes snap their head towards my right, and they stand up. And when they stand up, I look to see what made them stand up, and I look over. I All I can see, because of the, the level of the trees, and in New Mexico, especially areas where... People run cattle, and they run cattle all through this country that I'm hunting. And where they run cattle, it seems like that, uh, I don't know if the cows do it, I don't know if the other animals do it, but it seems like the pines uh, grow till you know, they're pretty smooth until about four or five foot up to where the branches really come out and depending on the age of the tree that could go up six foot it just kind of depends so you have a good view underneath but you're not able to see much above that and I can see through the pines underneath of them I can see the body of an elk coming through and it's a big body so as this body comes through these two spikes turn and start to move off And I'm thinking, whoa, this has got to be a bull. So I'm watching, and he's coming towards where he heard all that activity. He's coming towards me. And at this time, he's about 100 yards out, and I'm seeing the bottom of the body. Then he's about 60 yards out. And at that point, he had to lower his head underneath some branches to get through. Look. I'll try to give you the description the best I can. When this guy lowers his head and comes through, I lost it. This was the biggest bull in my young elk hunting career I had ever seen in my life. I mean, it was just monstrous, man, on top of his head. And he was just so. And that's one thing that I still remember today. How graceful he was at taking those horns underneath that branch and then coming through on the other side without even making a noise. And he's coming and he's coming and and look, y'all, I'm I'm like losing it over here. You you've heard the Venezuelan mafia talk about verelakes? Well, let me tell you what. I don't know about uh, Verilaques. My doggone heart was coming out my mouth. Ta-toom. I could actually hear my heart in my breathing. (laughs) So this bull is coming. Now he's gone from 60. He's down to 40. I'm on my knees with my body turned. And one thing that you always want to do, I'm broke up fine. I mean, I, I have plenty of scrub oak behind me directly in front of me, I have nothing. There's scrub oak now on each side of me. I've shifted so that I've got a real good shooting lane to the way he's coming, where he's going to cross for me. And I'm down on my knees, so I did this shift while he was out there, and I'm just moving a little bit to ensure my shooting lane on my knees. And to be able to see him, had I been standing up, I'd have had difficulty. So I'm down on my knees, and I'm looking like this, and I'm very, very solid. And I've got my bow up, arrows knocked, and I'm actually hiding behind my limb a little bit. (laughs) I don't know how much I was hiding, but I'm behind my limb at this time. And he's coming. 30. 25. Now he's only 20 yards away. Maybe even less. And he starts to turn to come broadside in front of me, Perfectly at 20 yards as he's going he's just getting ready to step out and I'm getting ready to draw and his head has come on the other side he's actually walking behind this giant pine tree and his head comes on the other side and he stops and he looks in my direction the kill perfectly covered by the pine tree So now I'm like, and I'm telling you, I can hear my doggone heart coming out of my mouth. And I know he can hear it, which made me panic just even a little bit more. It's like, (laughs) I can hear it. And I'm like, Joe, calm down, man. I'm just telling myself, calm down, calm down. Do not look at him, man. Don't look at him. And something I got taught as a kid, and I don't know if it's, true or if it's not. But my dad, my stepdad had actually taught me when you're stalking an animal or when you're moving in or an animal's moving on, you never look it in the eyes. That it can feel it. And buddy, let me tell you what. I'm looking down at the feet of this animal. In fact, I'm looking at the ground in front of that animal, letting my peripheral see the animal. I'm not looking at him at all. And it seemed like (laughs) I it seemed like time went to a standstill. It was like, man, how long till he moves? And he just kept looking, he kept looking. And I couldn't tell if he was looking at me, if he was looking forward, if he was looking for where those bulls were. I, I just couldn't tell. And I'm still hearing a few cow calls now off to my left. I mean, it's so tense at this time. You could cut it with a knife. I mean, I'm, and I'm just trying to stay calm. And all of a sudden, he does it, man. He starts to take a step. He steps out. He takes two steps. And I knew that at that close distance, he was going to see me draw. So I did the only thing that I thought possible, I thought if I just screamed a bugle while I drew, it might distract him just for a second so I have the diaphragm in my mouth I pull back and I draw at the same time, now I'm instinctive I don't use pins Uh, I use use my fingers I have no release, I draw back I'm looking dead on that kill man I'm looking at that spot, I'm up above that shoulder, I'm about three inches back, and I'm staring at, as I scream that bugle he stops, and I want you to Think about this. All of this is happening so fast, but yet it's happening so slow. I mean, if I recall it right now as to how everything happens as I'm pulling back, as I'm screaming that bugle out, as he stops and he turns his head to look at me and I'm staring at that point, I don't even remember it. I never remember the release. All I remember seeing is my fletching, burying, going through behind the shoulder and it was like everything at that moment just exploded he explodes out and i'm like i I don't know how to describe the emotion of seeing that arrow him blowing out and having gone through this tense moment y'all i just laid backwards i fell backwards (sighs) And just trying to get my breath. It was like I had lost my breath. It's like I I went into these convulsions after everything happened. And then I'm like, Joe, man, you got to watch, man. You got to pay attention. I go up. And as I go up, I'm seeing the last point where he goes through. And it's probably 100 yards away where he goes into the oak brush. And all I could do was just sit there and I'm I'm trying to relive it in my mind where did I hit yeah I hit it behind the shoulder I know it's buried and then I tell myself we just got to relax we just got to take our time give it that half hour I know it's a good solid hit I'm not even going to get up and look for blood I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to relax and and I replayed everything in my mind from three o'clock in the morning to the moonlight uh, each one of those moments when I had those animals in front of me to the point where I see him going off into the brush. I wait about a half hour and let me tell you what, if you have ever hit an elk and you are waiting that half hour, 45 minutes or to an hour, it's like forever. Ever, man, and I'm watching my watch, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, is it ever gonna get there?" So I eat a little bit, I eat some of my lunch, I drink, I try doing a few things just to waste some time, and finally it comes up, man, and I'm like, "Okay, I've got, I'm gonna give it a start." So I go out and I, I find the spot where I where he's at when I shoot him, and I start looking for my arrow to, to get signed from my arrow. When I find my arrow, it's on the other side of the animal in the grass, probably about 15 yards away, and I mean, it's just soaked in blood, and I know that I've got a double lung hit. So I start looking at the ground, and I find the blood, and it wasn't it wasn't even 50 yards from where I last saw him that I found him piled up, and I don't know how... I don't know how you feel when you come up on an animal, but there was just something at that moment that was just so reverent. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. And those of you guys that have done this or gals, you, you probably know exactly w- what I'm saying. It's like all of this that you put into it and all of this craziness and all of this commotion. And then all of a sudden, everything is silent except for your own steps as you're coming to it and there's this majestic animal in front of you and when I saw he was enormous this bull was incredible I didn't even have a clue as to what I had done at the time later on when everything was said and done this bull and, and let me tell you, scores, if you look at the animals that I've taken now here in the last few years, especially now as a guide because it's been more important for me to put uh, meat in the freezer, to be part of that to, uh, circle, for me to be part of the process out there, and then to be able to help others out that, hey, you know, a lot of times uh, if it's a raghorn and even this last year, it was going to be a a cow elk if that's what it came down to because I had other people that I was responsible for and helping them get an animal so I've never been a trophy elk hunter now when you're younger like that and you've seen the photos and the pictures let me tell you it it's something that you dream of and what I saw down here in front of me was a dream come true the boy ended up scoring 352 it was fantastic. So that's the ending to an incredible story. But let's go back to the learning moments. Let's talk about some of those things that you might be able to take along with you from how we selected camp. Now, a lot of times we've hunted out of camp. And in this case, we had an idea of what the hunt area was that we wanted, where we were seeing elk that we didn't want to disturb. So we tried to place our camp accordingly, where we would be able to hike out, and yet any of our scent would have been taken down and away from the animals. So that, that was the first thing. Secondly, the learning moment that, uh, that I had that you could probably learn is when you have a full moon, Take advantage of it, move in the full moon, locate in the full moon, and then try to get as close as possible. I think the main learning moments that I took away from this that really changed things for me forever was when I was able to calm animals down with cow calls. That was huge. When they would see movement and I would throw the cow calls out, it seemed like, oh, okay, that's cool. There's other elk there. So it, it worked, it worked out great. Uh, when I did have a elk that blew up on me and I was able to scream, it seemed like it calmed everything else down. They were like, well, I'm not sure what's what that noise was about, but they just calmed down. So that was something. But I think for me, the biggest thing that happened was, and, and again, I don't know why I did it, but I decided that I would use three different diaphragms and I would try to create or recreate a group of elk to try to a- attract elk and if you listen to some of the things that has over the years it has really really matured and the more that I've learned to speak the language the more that that's matured so now I understand things so much better and I've had other epiphanies that you're going to hear about on other moments as we go through this series but That was really a game changer for me. And then I would have to tell you the other huge game changer was when the bull got in the shooting lane that I wanted and I drew and screamed at the exact same time. It froze him. It locked him up. And it gave me the time I needed to place that arrow perfectly where I wanted. Y'all, this is the first time I've done this. I don't know how well I did sharing this story with you but I hope you enjoyed going along for the ride and I hope you picked up a few nuggets and here's what I'd like for you to do if there's any question that you have from anything that I talk about in this one episode or any of the future ones you can always email me joe at elkbros.com j-o-e at e-l-k-b-r-o-s Thanks for joining me around the fire. I look forward to seeing you the next time around. Peace, peace. Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands, as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure, using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you backwards through each step and level allowing you to see visualize understand and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead the next step the next thought process the next success because y'all you've already been there you know what it looks like By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you. And your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E L K B R O S.com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding.